So, uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, this day and age, right now, it is not all about the data. It has been about data for a very long time, upwards of 40 plus years. Right now, it's about how we use that data, how we leverage that data to do what we do better than we've ever done it before. That's what today's conversation is all about. Don't go anywhere. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast with answers for anyone who's looking. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast dedicated entirely to the hospitality industry. We cover marketing operations and everything in between. Each week, I leverage my 20 plus years in the industry to help you build a more profitable and a more sustainable business. I also work directly with operators all over the world through my P3 Mastermind program. If you're curious about that program, if you're struggling to, uh, to generate consistent, predictable 20% profits, and you want to learn more, then get in touch. Visit Restaurant Strategy strategypodcast.com slash schedule. Set up a free call with uh, someone from my team. It's 30 minutes. We get to learn more about you and your uh, restaurant. You get to learn more about the program, ask some questions about the program. I hope you do that. That link will be in the show notes. Thousands of restaurants across the country use KickFin to send instant cashless tip payouts directly to their employees' bank accounts the second their shift ends. It's a really simple solution to a really big problem. Because let's face it, paying out cash tips to your workers day after day, shift after shift, it's kind of a nightmare. Tedious tip distribution takes managers away from work that matters. It's hard to track payments, which leads to accounting and compliance headaches. Plus, cash tip outs create the perfect opportunity for theft. And there's never enough cash on hand to pay out those tips, so managers are constantly having to make bank runs. Bottom line, there's never been a secure, efficient way to tip out until now. Meet Kickfin. Kickfin is an easy-to-use software that sends real-time, cashless tip payouts straight to your employees' bank accounts 24-7, 365. Tipping out with Kickfin gives managers and operators hours back in their day. It makes reporting a breeze and protects your business from mistakes and theft. And guess what? Employees love it, so it's one of the best recruiting tools out there. Best of all, restaurants can have Kickfin up and running overnight. Employees can enroll in seconds. No hardware, no contracts, no setup fees. Get in touch today for a personalized demo and see how restaurants and bars across the country are tipping out with Kickfin. Visit kickfin.com slash demo and yeah that link is in the show notes now russ hawkins is the president and ceo of the leading data technology company called agilence it's a SaaS company that helps retailers grocers and yes restaurants improve their operational effectiveness and uncover preventable losses using the data already in their hands there's so much we're going to get to this is right up my alley but first let me welcome russ to the show welcome well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Chip. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the conversation. My pleasure. So uh, I said this to you before we hit record, and I say this to a lot of the guests on here. I think the particular value that you present to the audience is that you get to peek behind the curtain uh, of a lot of different companies, not only in our industry, but in, in other industries. And I think uh, we can always learn um, from hearing what other people are doing, especially uh, learning from what other industries are doing, because I think uh, all too often, I think restaurants 
audience are a little bit uh, further behind the times, and, and I think we can always stand um, to catch up. So I'm really excited to hear sort of your perspective, um, your insights, having gotten to peek behind a bunch of curtains. Before we get into all that, and I will have tons of questions for you, before all of that, I wonder if you can just give uh, some context for the listeners. Um, give them a little background about who you are, what you've done over your career, what brought you to this company, and sort of what makes this company so special, what it is that you guys do. And I think that'll uh, bring people into the light as to, as to why I think we wanted to have this conversation. Sure. Well, as you can tell, uh, I've got the gray hair here, so I've been I've been around a while. <laughs> um, you know, my early career, I was in the in sales, primarily in sales, and um, over time, back in the '90s, when when uh, the world was going technology crazy, um, I was observing a lot of people leaving, you know, their day to day jobs and going out into startup companies, and so uh, I decided that's what I wanted to do, and. Uh, I uh, put my name out there and got recruited into a very, very small data communications equipment company based in Connecticut uh, and really got cut my teeth in a very small company. Prior to that, I was, I was with, with New England Telephone, as I said, which is a big, big company. Uh, yep. But uh, there, there was some doubt about my ability to make the transition to a small company, but I, but I proved everybody wrong on that, on that basis. Uh, and, and it just kind of one thing led to another. I went in there as a sales and marketing VP. And then, uh, and it was only a very small company, only less than 10 people, less than a million dollars in sales. Um, within a year, I had changed the strategy and really started to grow. And within a couple of years, we had the company uh, up to 50 people and uh, $20 million in sales. And, uh, and, you know, it was a very successful thing for me. I, it was venture capital backed. And so, you know, venture capitalists want to sell the companies eventually. And uh, so we did sell it. And then I had kind of cemented my reputation. And I got uh, immediately got other offers to come in and uh, look at other companies. So I haven't been the founder of any, any company yet. Uh, but I have been kind of the, the first kind of uh, adult uh, in, the, in, in, these startup, uh, <laughs> in these startup situations. So I went from the data communications equipment company to a high-performance computing company down in uh, Pennsylvania. Similar kind of situation. My, my, I guess, uh, uh, forte is that, uh, you know, I listen a lot and I go into these organizations and I try to figure out are they executing on the best strategy that they can execute on. And in, mo in most cases, I change the strategy. So the second company, I changed the strategy to focus on um, film rendering and financial services away from government and academics, which is where most high-performance computing was sold. Uh, and kind of similar situation, a company had a little bit more than a million when I started. By the time I was done, we were in the $25 million range, and we, we sold it to a public company out in California, and, uh, and that, was, uh, that was a great outcome for everybody. Uh, and then, what my, as it turned out, my, my controller at that company's husband was a, was a venture capitalist and had a series of portfolio companies in, uh, uh, in the Philadelphia area. And uh, I looked at a couple of them to try to help them out, and I thought Agilence was uh, a great opportunity. It was a company that had great technology and just wasn't really getting the job done in terms of growing sales. And so uh, I came in, and I haven't looked back uh, since then. And we did change the strategy a couple of times here, but uh, now we're hitting a stride, and we're growing quite, quite quickly. And uh, it's all because, as you mentioned earlier, you know, that... Uh, 
we're, we're able to peek behind these curtains and we peek behind a lot of curtains. And the, the main thing, though, is that we're encouraging all the people behind the curtains to talk with each other. So one of the keys to our success has been to create uh, an environment where uh, our customers can share with each other and they can learn from each other and they can uh, get techniques and, and practices, best practices that, that work for everybody. And so that's, it's really not, not a lot about me at this point. It's a, it's a lot about the, the kind of environment we've set up. We have a thing called the virtual water cooler. We do, uh, we do a lot of uh, webinars that are actually run by our customers, not even by, uh, by us. And they're sharing what they've done, how they've used the, the technology to unlock the power of the data that they've already got. So it's been been quite exciting. I love it. So then let's talk about the technology because um, before we get into sort of your area of expertise and I think the the insights and perspective that you can offer, uh, I want people to understand. So what is this company? So a data technology company. What is it that Agilence does specifically? What is it that the software offers? So at a, at a very high level, what we offer is the democratization of data. So every business that, that's around today is, is throwing off a lot of data. The, the, the data is everywhere. It's just that most people aren't capturing it and, and benefiting from it. So we're, we are specifically about doing those things. So the first thing that we do is that we bring in a lot of disparate data sources. So we, we don't, we're not trying to replace any technologies that are existing. We're trying to take the, the data flow, the data exhaust, as some people call it, out of every one of these other systems, whether it's the POS system, maybe their loyalty program, uh, maybe their back office system in, in the restaurant business, we get kitchen timer data, we get drive-through data, we, we get uh, recipes, and uh, and we bring all that stuff together and we, we harmonize it. So we do a fair amount of data management. We, we harmonize the data, make it available uh, for the application, and and, uh, make it so that we can bounce the data against each other uh, and compare it and contrast it and uh, and then create value as a result of that. Now, in the process of this data management, uh, we add depth to the data. So we can put mathematical or statistical operators uh, into the data and thereby increase the size and depth of the of the database then we have a tool that allows our customers to ask questions of the database and one of, one of our key things is to not require you to be a data scientist the whole idea is to make the average person asking their average questions uh, to be able to to get information out of the out of the database that will allow them to make better decisions, and, so, and not just using and to your point, not just using their own data, but also using data from other sources, similar size businesses, locations, things like that. We do benchmarking and against other companies. Uh, we bring in third party data. For instance, weather data is something that we've we've brought into the application. But a lot of it is from the from the internal systems. We 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 usually start with six data sources so that includes the uh, the POS transaction log uh, as well as the third-party uh, ordering and delivery system transaction logs we bring in the human resources file so everybody that works for the organization is is present in the database uh, typically the, the loyalty information is in there uh, the what we call the item master which in a restaurant environment, we're talking about all the menu items and maybe the individual recipe and ingredient items as well. 
and then we bring in, in our case, we're dealing with uh, um, you know, some larger companies that have thousands of locations, but also those that have only a single or a couple of locations. Typically, they have at least two before they, before they work with us. But we put all of this stuff in a database, and then uh, we give them the ability to ask questions using a very, very intuitive user interface. So it's not exactly natural language, but it's, it's kind of like a, a simple math problem. It's like, well, I want to look at this plus this plus that, but I really don't want this piece in there, and I want that and that, and then divide it all by 20 or whatever it might be, and then and then the output is what's important. So we can, we can output the, uh, the analysis either as a, a dashboard or a report, but one of the things that's most powerful about what we do is we, we have the ability to send out uh, alerts, uh, prescriptive alerts, so we can send it right to a specific cashier or a store manager and, and tell them exactly what happened and what they ought to do to, to try to fix it and to try, to try to improve the operation. So it's all about operational effectiveness. We, we started in, uh, in uh, asset protection and loss prevention. So we're looking at where the businesses are leaking money, uh, where they're uh, running up their food costs or you know, enduring uh, expenses that don't necessarily have to be spent. Uh, but what's happened is that uh, our customers have found other ways to use the technology. Uh, they're solving all kinds of problems. The marketers are using it. The merchandisers are using it. The, the, uh, the operations people, just in terms of labor management and those kinds of things, are using it. And so that's the kind of stuff that we're trying to capture. We're not geniuses. We're just, uh, we're just people that can you know, gather this stuff up and make it available to everybody else. Yep. So one of the things that people have said, you know, and, and uh, you sort of said it uh, earlier, but, uh, but I've heard people uh, say it the wrong way, which is that people say, oh, it's all about the data these days. It's all about the data. And I always push back. I said, no, it's been about data for 40 years. Sure. We just haven't been able to use the data. Exactly. Right now it's all about utilizing the data. We've been collecting data in, in a basic way for a very long time. POS system, right? Yep. Back to Micros or Squirrel, they've sure. been collecting data. We just had no way of then... Uh, looking at common threads or benchmarks or, you know, doing anything with that. But that was all in there in the machine. Same thing with Open Table. We could tell who liked this martini, who liked that, how long, you know, but we just couldn't do anything with that. We could use that data to make a better experience for the next time somebody came in. We just couldn't necessarily use that data to get someone to come back in, uh, which is now the, the name of the game. We can, we can change that. Talk to me about where you're coming from then. So, because you're saying you harness the data, you know, harvest it, present it in such a way so that you can actually utilize it. Explain, uh, give, maybe give me some examples of uh, of some more of those. Well, typically there's four areas that we that we help our customers in. The, the, the first one is, you know, we're all in the business of increasing sales, so we wanna we wanna understand how do we increase sales and how do we optimize the utilization of all these other tools that we have, right? There's, there's limited time offers, there's promotions, you, some people still put flyers on cars. Uh, you know, there's third now today in the restaurant business, there's a, uh, a plethora of third-party ordering and delivery systems. Uh, most people have their own apps now. They're, there's digital ordering. There's, a, there's, there's uh, not only is there data, it, it, it is expanding multiplicatively, right? It's really expanding in, in, a, in a huge way. Uh, and so what we want to do is we want to be able to 
uh, unlock that. Un un rather than have all these silos of data all, all around in different places, we want to bring it together in a single place. And you ask a, a normal question, right? Uh, uh, the, the, the managers running these businesses, they know what they want to know. They just have no way of articulating that. The, the, you know, a piece of data sitting on a, on a piece of paper isn't going to tell you anything. Um, and so to be able to ask uh, the database a certain specific question um, and get the answer immediately, and then to look at that over time, which is another key piece of this, is to look at, look at the way trend lines happen over time, look at them against time of year, time of day, uh, whether there's holidays involved, to, and, to, and to build this, uh, this enduring database of experience that you can draw on, and you know, your questions can become more and more sophisticated over time. So anyway, there's four errors. Increasing sales and optimizing promotions is one of them. Um, and you know, our view is that the, the the work spent there is worth the effort. It, there, it does take a little bit of effort, but it's worth it. Uh, you know, I mean, you could do some of the things we do in Excel. You don't need necessarily mean need our software. We make it a lot easier for you. But my yep. my point is is that with a little bit of energy, you can really understand things that will help you increase sales. Second area is protecting your revenue. So this is something you ignore at your peril in my in my view you you do not yep. you do not want to uh, leave your revenue unprotected you don't want to leave your data unprotected because unfortunately the world is is one where uh, you know, you end up with silent partners. Uh, you end up with people that uh, you know are participating in the in the revenue flow, and they're not really supposed to be doing that, or they're giving away merchandise to friends. You know, the the, the whole so-called sweethearting uh, capability. Uh, there's there's uh, if you're in a larger organization, you've got you know issues around store managers and how store managers uh, operate, and you know whether they're following the rules that they have. Things like comped meals, for example. Uh, but you know, cash cash flows around, right? There, are people that order the same thing every time. When you when you order the same thing every time, that makes it very easy for that uh, for that cashier or store manager to say, "Well, I know I know this one orders the you know the three fifty latte every day. Uh, I know they always pay cash, so you know that's going to be a way for me to participate." with a little extra bonus in the business that most of the managers aren't going to really want. Like if you're the owner, you, you want everybody, you, you don't want silent partners, I guess is what I'm saying. So that's number two. The third one is to develop and train employees. employees. So understanding best practices. What makes a top performer? How, how, do, they, uh, how do they achieve what they achieve? And then how do you transfer the skills and capabilities of those top performers into other people on the team? So understanding how they operate, understanding what they are doing on a day-to-day -day basis, month-to-month -month basis, that's going to help you identify your ideal uh, uh, performer. And then it's going to help you on the recruiting side because you're going to be you're going to know what you're looking for. And so, you know, one one of the things I always talk about is is know yourself, right? It's an ancient Greek proverb that's all about uh, having some understanding of what's happening in your own domain. And I, I'm a I'm a big fan of that. And the fourth one is the customer experience, of course. And so, it depends a lot on the format in a restaurant business. Obviously, if you're table service or quick serve or counter service, there's different things to look at. Uh, but it has to go beyond strictly, you know, what the adoption rate of a particular uh, item is. You, you, you really do need to uh, think through that experience, especially in today's world. I mean, we've gone through this huge period of time with the pandemic, 
and the evolution of these third-party ordering systems and digital ordering systems, uh, you know, behaviors have changed dramatically and uh, customer expectations have changed dramatically. I mean, we, we're not doing curbside delivery for the most part today, but we are doing a lot more delivery and we are doing a lot of pickup uh, in, in the stores. So those things are changing all the time. So understanding what the trends are, understanding what people's expectations are means that you can adapt your operation to better better serve them and, and ultimately have happier customers and make more money. So yeah, celebrate. okay. This is great. Okay, so we got an overview of these four different areas. Um, and I'm merely just going to scratch my own itch because I want to understand these better. I want to dive into each of the four if we can. Sure. Um, and I want you to give me, um, I'm going to ask for an example or two or give me um, give me some ideas of, uh, of ways that your clients, uh, the ways that you guys have helped uncover certain pieces of information, certain pieces of data. And then really what I'm most, important, uh, most interested in is then what decisions did they make given that data to then make a difference, to, to implement that for the better? So to go back into the first area, you were talking about increasing sales. You said that you know every, every business can benefit from increasing sales, sure. which I agree with you. Give me some examples in that, if you can, of, uh, of ways that the, that the program has used, ways that you've seen clients um, use the data to make better decisions? Well, one of the most important things that I see all the time and that provides huge value for our customers is, is looking for expansion sales, looking for upsells, right? Every business that I know wants to uh, sell more to each customer. I want to increase that average check size to every customer. Uh, yeah. to, in a digital world now, a lot of this is getting built into the digital prompts and the, you know, suggesting things to order with with things. And so the digital world is changing that a little bit. But in, in, a, in a regular customer service world, I want to know which of my people are doing well at upselling, right? I want to I track that stuff and I want to... I want to know how what the actual impact is of the upsells that they're doing in terms of in terms of check size. So, for example, in our in our in our software, uh, we can set up a, a, a situation where every register, every employee ID associated with every register, can be tracked in terms of the the sales that they have actually processed uh, in the, in the business, and uh, we can look at. Uh, uh, what their performance is, what the average increase is, what 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 are the things that are are selling best? It can have implications on menu items that you add in. Uh, again, depending upon the the size of the organization, if you've got multiple locations, you, you know you wanna you wanna know what's happening. I, I, I like to say that you need our software uh, when you need to be in, in more than one place at a time. And so, uh, you know, much of the kinds of things that I'm talking about can be done, if you have a single location, it can be done on Excel or uh, other kinds of uh, uh, media. But uh, in a multi-location environment, you know, you've got to uh, basically keep score on who's doing these upsells. And so in our, in our case, we have a monitoring capability and the ability to uh, send an alert out when someone misses, let's call it their upsell objective on a on uh, three days. After three days, they miss their upsell objective, send a, a notice out to the store manager that says, hey, Mr. Store Manager, you missed, you missed this objective. Let, let's go over again why this objective is important, why we want to do this upsells, and what is expected of each of the employees. And, and Mr. Store Manager, why don't you uh, uh, gather your team together and, and explain it to them again, and then uh, 
that manager is ob obligated to close out this uh, this alert, and and we can in fact manage these alerts. So if you've got again multiple locations, uh, a manager can be uh, can have open open alerts, and you you don't want them to have open alerts. You want them to have, re have resolved those alerts and to keep things uh, operating smoothly. And so what we find is that by doing that over time. Uh, all the boats rise, and and uh, additional sales happen. <coughs> overall, overall revenue for the for the company happens. Another example would be the loyalty uh, program. You know, everybody has loyalty programs, and this is the same on promotions and and uh, limited time offers and those kinds of things. You know, there's there's somebody who's figured out, or at least has a hypothesis that says, if I do this, I am going to have a positive impact on my business, and. Uh, and so we want to give you the ability to actually factually determine that. So I always say facts are our friends. Let's get the facts and then we can determine whether we're actually achieving the goals. It's not just flying by gut. So, you know, oftentimes on limited time offers or promos, you know, you'll have great, great success. But when you compare that against your historical performance, what you don't really see when you're looking only at the promo is what might have declined in other areas. What what were the opportunity costs of selling, uh, you know, selling that sandwich for uh, a promotional price? Did did it actually improve the overall profitability at in certain day parts or certain uh, certain days or or in any other kind of period? So, uh, keeping track of the promotions and uh, and <coughs> LTOs and and loyalties that that you've got is another another example of what you what you can figure out for that. So when you talk about that, and I'm, I'm interested in this, so I want to keep pulling at that thread. Yeah. Um, when we look at sort of the, the opportunity cost or the delta caused by running a special promotion, we say, hey, because there's a certain amount of people who would have come in anyway, but then they got the right. deal, they saw exactly. the deal, and they came in anyway. So this is specifically what you're talking about. This that, is one that's key a, that's area. That's an example of what I'm talking about, but there's also the boost. I mean, you're expecting, you, you, you want to get a boost, right? It, if, if, yeah. you're, if you're going through all this effort, and you're not overall boosting the, the the top line. You're just you're just spending more money on food cost. You're doing the same same top line revenue. You're spending more money on food cost. Then you're not really winning. That promotion is not really winning. And if you're only looking at what the what the actual promotion drove in terms of the you know the specific promotional items, it's very easy to get excited and say, oh look at all look at all these yeah. sandwiches that I've sold. But I don't know what the impact has been on food cost. I don't food cost. I don't necessarily know what the impact has been on labor. I don't really, unless I go and look at it, how this compares against other average days or other days in the same yep. time period or or the, or the or the day parts as I was describing. So I, it's more about getting a holistic view rather than a very narrow view of the of the promotions. And then you can make a more intelligent decision. You can you can design better promotions. You can design yep. better better offers and better better coupons and those kinds of things that are that are going to help you help you do those things. Pop Menu has reimagined the restaurant. They're breaking the mold of the menu, taking the kitchen doors off the hinges, and serving up their most comprehensive technology solution, yet it's called Pop Menu Max. It comes with the previous ingredients you've heard me mention on this podcast, websites designed with SEO, marketing tools to keep you top of mind with guests, and, of course, the patented interactive menu technology. This new recipe brings automated phone answering, third-party online order aggregation, waitlisting, and more to the table. Pop Menu's phone answering technology 
technology has your ringing phones covered. With artificial intelligence, the simple questions that keep your phone line tied up can now be handled without pulling a staff member from your in-person hospitality. No more missed reservations, no more asking for your hours or missing revenue, and that's just the beginning. You got a passion for food, Pop Menu's got a passion for technology. Together, it's a recipe for restaurant success. And now, even more digital ingredients are in their technology pantry, and Pop Menu is helping restaurants attract, engage, remarket, and transact with their guests on a whole new level. Trust me, if you're a restaurant owner, you need Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month, plus you get to lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy to claim the offer. Offer. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy. As always, that link is in the show notes. I love that. So that sort of leads us right into the second area that you were talking about, which is you know protecting your margins. And uh, I swear, I talk about this all the time, uh, that there's... If there's one phrase I sort of hate, it's that uh, that revenue cures all sins, uh, because I, I don't believe I don't believe it does. A, re- a restaurant that's doing a certain amount of revenue should be profitable no matter what. And and you know I don't know going from a 1.5 million dollar restaurant to a 2.2 uh, million dollar restaurant, uh, you know it's not like the the magic profitability just came in that 700k. I, I think we should be able to be profitable at at a million and a half. I think that's right. Talk to me then about how data, when we talk about um, waste and, 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 and sort of costs, especially uh, this year. This year is something. So talk to me specifically about how, you've, so, how you use the software. So you, got, you, you have to look. There's a few areas that you need to focus on. First is you've, you've, got to look, you've got to look at your team, and you've got to be comfortable and trusting of your team. And, you know, it's kind of like the old, uh, uh, what is it, uh, it was detente between the U.S. and Russia, right? Uh, uh, trust but verify, right? And so it's the trust but verify part of it. It's the verify part of it that, that we can do. So, you know, there's all kinds of flags that can happen that, that will identify suspicious behavior. You can, you can generate uh, ratios of, uh, of t- let's just use in a table service environment, look at tip percentages, right? So tip percentages, if the overall tip percentage for everyone is 15% and you've got some people that are, you know, cacking in at 50% or 40% or 30% average tips, it's a little bit suspicious. There's a suggestion there that maybe some uh, some a product has been delivered and not charged for. The person that is the customer is compensating that that server uh, for the extra you know the extra special care. In the meantime, your food cost is going up because you're delivering stuff and not getting money for it. The the uh, the uh, uh, the tip percentages is telling you which people that uh, you can, in fact, verify that are, are trustworthy. And at a minimum, and, and I, look, I know in this today's environment, it's very tough to get uh, competent people and to make sure you have them on the team. And you know, we'll get to that in the in the in the third part of, uh, in the third part of this. But I, I, again, I just I think that understanding the facts of what's happening on happening. Looking for the kind of flags around uh, around uh, you know suspicious behaviors of employees is important. Look at the number of voids. Look at comped meals. You know, uh, one of the things we do all the time with you know companies that have multiple locations, we look at you know the manager is empowered to give away a certain number of comped meals to deal with situations and uh, or, or comp portions of meals. And so, 
you know, looking at that um, against an average or looking at that against an expected targeted number that you've got in your business plan, these are things that you can do. So that's one area of, of protecting your revenue. Another area is got to keep an eye on the cash, right? I know most people today, I, I, I'm, I'm probably, I'm with the old guard with the gray hair here, you know, paying cash a lot of times. And I know a lot of people today don't pay cash, but uh, you got to keep an eye on cash. You, you, you definitely have to keep an eye on cash. You got to look at cash overs, overages, and shortages in the registers. Uh, you've got to you got to look at people who pay cash on a regular basis and how that's how that's flowing in because cash is not traceable and um, and it's just uh, with our kind of software, you're you're able to compare what's actually happening against. Uh, external benchmarks and against internal benchmarks, and it, it just gives you a, 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 a place to focus your management attention. This doesn't look right. This is a little odd. It looks a little off. Let me pay a little bit more management attention there, and I, and I can help that. Food cost would be the third area of, of uh, uh, protecting your revenue. You know, it's it's the second biggest thing that you're going to spend, right? Right behind labor. And uh, you've got to know what's going on to be able to control it. And so all of these things kind of flow together. But, you know, you want to have minimi minimal waste. You want to make sure that, uh, uh, that people are paying for what they're getting. You want to make sure that, uh, that you know, the uh, employees are not eating everything, too, right? Or uh, this is one of the areas that this is especially interesting is in bars. So, um, again, I don't know how many of your customers are operating uh, alcohol or selling alcohol. But yeah, it's a big a problem. It's a huge problem. It's an absolutely huge problem because there's so, you know there's so much sweethearting going on in in those kinds of situations, and, it, and it's a double negative. You, you you're not only getting not getting the revenue, you're you're losing the inventory at the same time. And uh, you know typically when we come into an o operation, what we'll find is that you know these practices have been there's an unwritten set of rules among among the team members that uh, help help them know how to game the system, right? They all, they're, they're all operating in some kind of a system today. And, you know, one of the things that is the scuttlebutt, you know, when they're out back smoking cigarettes or whatever after hours, uh, they're sharing ideas about how, how the, uh, you know, how it all works and how it might be gamed. And so you, you, you really got to gotta, gotta look at that. Uh, and then, of course, labor costs is the other area where, uh, you know, just looking at sales against your labor plan, being able to extrapolate out into the future, do some predictive modeling, again, which is a part of our process and our system, uh, to look at what your labor costs are, what your labor uh, staffing schedule is, look at that against certain day parts. Over time, you can get smarter and smarter and smarter about how you schedule people, keep your labor costs down. And so those those four areas are absolutely critical to running a profitable organization. And and, and then if, the, if those things are in place and you're able to find a way to, to increase the revenues, then you're going to be double happy, right? You're going to not only have the yeah. higher revenue, you're going to have the lower costs. So it's, it's exciting. I mean, I, I, what kind of... Uh, I, I help me a little bit with the, your uh, your audience. Are they are they largely uh, what particular type of uh, operation? Yeah. So the audience is made up. I would say the majority of them are independent operators. That some of them are multi units, uh, but I would say 
the majority of those multi-unit operators have two, three, five, eight locations, single, things like that. So listeners of this show have single location or a couple locations, either a couple locations of the same concept or maybe a couple of different concepts. That's the audience that I love working with. Uh, yep. That's why I've built my business working with this uh, this crowd. And uh, that's the people who tune in every single week. I mean, everything you're saying is makes absolute sense. I spend a lot of time um, talking on these uh, on these subjects already. So I love that you're talking about you know, predictive modeling, forecasting, all of that. I think that's the only way to succeed. The best companies I've ever worked for um, have done that and done that really well. You use those projections to generate budgets, um, budgets for back-of-house labor, front-of-house labor, for your salaried employees, uh, all the way down to your ordering and where your PARs should be and where, where your inventory should be at any one given uh, point in time during during the week. How much, how much product are we sitting on? This is unrealized uh, uh, unrealized revenue. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Unrealized revenue yeah. and, and in danger of spoiling. Uh, so yeah. you're, you want to make sure you've got a, a, a good uh, good handle on that. And, and the things that, I, even though my company generally has multi-locations, uh, the things that I'm talking about, I think, are applicable in, in, in any kind of operation. And, and yep. it gets a little more difficult if you're, if you're a single uh, location operator. But I'll get back to the thing I said earlier. I, I believe that investing a little bit of time in doing the data analytics and you don't need my software to do it. You can you can just download some of this stuff into Excel, and you know maybe you might need to have a, a, a few skills in in terms of using Excel. But uh, often you can you can get that that help pretty easily. But the effort that you would the benefit that you would get by spending a little bit amount of effort is is going to yep. be significant. It's gonna it's gonna make you happier in the long run. There may be a little pain in the short run uh, trying to understand the most important things. But data analytics understanding know yourself again understanding yeah. what it's all about and how your business operates and what what are the screws that you can turn that are going to help you improve the overall well, profit, profitability and customer experience and you're going to be better off yeah and i totally agree so and i'll toot your horn for you if if you don't want it one of the things that um I hesitate to say is that as a consultant, as a coach, I say, oh, you bring me in and I'm, you know, you, you pay me to come in and tell you, you know, all the other stuff to do, all the other money to spend. And so I am always very aware of uh, where there are efficiencies in the system. So, and the, the fact that there's software out there that does it for what it's worth, um, if it's software that could save you five, ten hours a week, because the people listening to this don't have an extra five hours, ten hours a week to uh, to build spreadsheets and all that, and maybe they don't have the, the the ease or the comfort to build all those things, to be able to sit down and then look over it and analyze it. So the fact that there's a program that can generate all that for you, you jump right to the analysis of it, where you look and sort of draw conclusions, um, I, I think is a particular value to the audience listening for, for what it's worth. Yeah, I, I, there's no question about it. And, and you know, I, you know, Excel can be a pain. Uh, it's just the, the concept is the thing that I'm trying to get across. And, and frankly, right. there are other companies that are commercial software players that aren't Agilents that focus on uh, you know different types of of of, uh, of companies. There are there are single location software packages out there that can help you do this. Actually, some of it's already in your POS, and uh, I find I find that a lot of people don't don't uh, even understand fully what's available in their in their own POS system. I, I mean, we take really the POS stuff. We take the yeah. POS stuff. And you know we know what we're looking for. We bring yep. we bring this stuff in, and we're pulling this data field from here and that data field from there. 
but uh, but a lot of it is in a, in a raw form in the POS system that you're using, and and some yep. of the newer systems are getting better and better at it, and uh, and so just you know you got to invest a little bit of time and, and energy and thought, strategic and tactical thought around what what you want to do, and I think you'll benefit from it. Yeah, I love it. So okay, so you said there's four main areas. We've already now. Dig, uh, dug a little bit deeper in the first two, um, and I do want to spend time now digging into the the other two, the third and the fourth one. Sure. Um, you were talking about, so we talked about sales, talked about uh, expenses, right? How do we guard our margins, right? So it's on the operational side. Um, we talked about the the people, and then the last section is really the the customer experience, customer, experience. customer journey, all of that. So talk to me about the talk to me about the people specifically. Uh, you talked about like churn retention, so uh, that's top of mind with a lot of the people Absolutely. listening to the show. I mean, you, so talk to me about that. Well, it starts. So, so first of all, I think as a consultantship, I think you probably uh, consider this a, a very, very, very important thing. I mean. The people are the face of your brand. It is where your company meets the customer. It is where first impressions happen. And so it's very important to understand what success is from a, from a, a top performer. What makes a top performer in your business? What are the characteristics that you're looking for? What are the, what is the, who are the role models and, and where, where does that come from? Now, it starts with hiring, but you have to know what you're looking for first. So you can start with any, you can start with any, uh, any uh, mix of people in the organization. And, you know, we, a lot of times, uh, my experience with, with, with uh, operators has been that, uh, you know, they, they, they're always looking for people that are friendly, people that are attractive, people that, you know, are going to be kind of uh, uh, right out of the box before they even open their mouths, that they're going to represent the company well. And I think that that's all, all great. But there's other things that you, that you really need to know. You know, are, are they intuitive? Do they understand what the business is all about? Do they understand what the objectives are of the business? And, uh, you know, when you when you're onboarding someone, you know you really want to make sure that you're not wasting your time and that you're going to have such high turnover. So you want to keep that turnover as low as possible. So how do we train people to be successful, right? How do we train them to be successful, and how do they become successful? So understanding what the characteristics are, uh, looking for those characteristics when you're uh, when you're out uh, recruiting and hiring. What are you doing for training for the people that need to be developed in those areas? Um, you know, you want them to be delivering a positive customer experience and you want them to stay. So now we get the, to pay and to incentives and, and all, all of those things. Uh, you want to look at things like uh, speed of service, right? You want to look at tip performance. You want to look at some of the things that I mentioned on the other side, upselling performance, check size, some of those things. And I... And, and, and then select for those things when, when you're out looking for people. And so our software gives you the ability to, uh, to take those things that I just described and, and to also, depending upon your situation and what your format is, that uh, gives you the ability to uh, create your own metrics, create your own standards around, around what you want to do, and, and then let the data flow into that kind of scorecard. So then talk to me about this. So you say, hey, okay, you run a report, you look at, so here, here are my four top performers, and you sit there and you say, okay, what are the common threads about these people? What, how do we find more people that are like this? Yeah, that yeah. Well, I'll give you an example. So um, yeah. we had a customer that had, um, you know, there they were, they were, they were, was a, a table service restaurant with um, 
uh, a pretty extensive wine list, and uh, you, you know they 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 did the, did full service. You expect you know you expected to have a, uh, an appetizer and a and a a meal, and uh, you know maybe maybe cocktails, maybe a bottle of wine. So um, in in this particular situation, there was one person who never sold a bottle of wine. Never sold it. Uh, every everything else in their business was perfect. They they were attractive. They were engaging. They were quick uh, in in terms of reading people, but they never sold a bottle of wine. And so <laughs> finally, somebody pulled them aside and said, "You know, well, why why is it that you're ne never so selling? Why why don't why don't you sell more wine bottles?" And, and and in this particular case, the server said, "Well, I don't really know how to open the bottle of wine without making a mess." Right, I don't, I don't really get the, the 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 foil, and I don't understand how how to how to do this. So, I just prefer to sell glasses of wine and 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 not the bottles. And so, a little remedial training with that person, a little bit getting them comfortable in, in how, how to handle some of these bottles of wine were pretty expensive too, right? So, uh, it, you know, very quickly they figured it out, and, and but they were able to see in the data that. This person never sold bottles of wine, so that's just a very simple example. It can be applied yeah. in a lot of different areas. I love it. About a million years ago, back when I was waiting tables, I did a lot of work in fine dining, and I was captain. And uh, somebody, we had a similar piece of software uh, back in the day that uh, was maybe not as robust as this, but they were, you know, able to generate sort of look at common threads. And someone came up to me and says, y "We really need to sell cocktails at the beginning of the meal. You you never sell cocktails. Why?" And I said, "Why would I?" They said, well, you get extra money on the thing. So you're, you're not running the full data. I don't sell cocktails because there's a, always a wait at the service bar. And if I go. sell champagne, champagne's $22 a glass, cocktails 13 So I make, on average, about nine extra dollars every glass. And yeah, great I can point. go pour it myself because we pour everything by ourselves. And they never thought of it in terms of that. They right. just thought of we greet tables, we get them a cocktail, we get a bottle of wine. Right. We, you know, there's there's a set thing. And from that day forward, or shortly thereafter, we, we sort of changed the entire steps of service to be that we our first approach. Uh, is hi. Can I start you off with a couple of glasses of champagne? champagne. What a great thing. No wonder you're. A I'm consultant. not sure for celebrating. You're, you're, and it was one of those things. It's really, it's really funny that they sort of read the data uh, but didn't read it fully. And I said, well, "You haven't seen how many glasses of champagne I push a month." And then when they ran that, they just, they were just looking to see. Let's see everybody who sells, uh, who sells uh, cocktails. And when they did that, they realized I sold, I don't know, twelve to one to the next, uh, the the second place server for how many glasses of champagne. Yeah, that's I great. That, I love that story. I'm going to use that story if you don't mind. <laughs> I love that. It's no, please do. I just, I, I mean, all the time. And so to go one twist further, then we use that to help develop, and again, this is back when I was just, you know, captain, just waiting tables. We yeah. use that to develop a, a sort of more nuanced bar program, where instead of having 12 uh, cocktails, 12 signature cocktails, we only had six, and most of them were already pre-batched, because yeah. if yeah, the problem yeah, was the people are waiting too long, we shouldn't have to sell champagne. You should be able to sell cocktails, but if we sell cocktails, we need them on the table in two minutes because the faster they get them, the faster they'll drink them, the faster they'll be ready to order another drink, whether that's a glass of wine or another cocktail or whatever. So yeah, it's crazy all of those things helped us make better decisions about uh, about how the the um, how the steps of service were executed. 
Now, I, you know, I love to eat, and I love going to restaurants, and I go to I go to a lot of restaurants, and I'm, it amazes me how many people don't get what you just said, how many establishments don't get what you just yeah. said about thinking about the experience of that 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 customer. And we're getting into the fourth area here, but getting getting into that, you know, understanding what is motivating them. I know that it drives me crazy when I'm seated, and first of all, it takes too long for anybody to even come and talk to me. And then yep. when they do come and talk to me, how long it takes me to get the, to get the drink. And so sure. looking at the, the way the operation flows and looking at the, the service standards that you've got, these are very, very important things. And, uh, and, you know, when you've got data, you can start doing these kinds of calculations and figure out, what, you know, what happens and what, when it happened and, and how you can, you know, it only takes a little bit of improvement. You take a little bit yeah. of improvement in time oh. and you multiply that by the number uh, of, uh, of meals. The number of table up. turns you do it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It's, 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 I, it's I do this. It's like an old consultant trick. I always do this. I say, you know, they say, oh, we really got to work on our table turn times. We, we, we lose, we put all these people on a wait and they just don't wait. They're going to go to the restaurant next door or down the street. Again, it's sort of like a consultant trick. I say, you know, you, you don't, you don't cut table turn times in the last 15 minutes. You do it in the first 15 minutes. That's right. And when you get that, when you get them focused on that, it's it was a it's a, one of the tricks when people would bring me in. There's there's all kinds of little tricks you've got, right? How to make yeah. a big impact really quickly so that they trust you and they'll do some of the deeper work. But I said, if you get everyone, if you can get the order in from the minute they see uh, they sit down to the the second the order goes in, if you can get it uh, less than 10 minutes, you will cut off approximately 25 minutes off the the table turn from when they sit to when they get up and you can start uh, resetting the table. Absolutely. And they say, well, 10 minutes, isn't that rushing the table? I said, only if you feel like it's rushing the table. Right. But if you greet people, so here it's, oh, we have to greet people in the first three minutes. I said, what if you change it? So you have to greet them in the first 30 seconds. And you approach with the same enthusiasm. And, and so what a lot of other people have realized is that, um, the way they're greeted, that sets the tone. So they're sat and they agree, hi, my name is Chip. I'm glad to be taking care of you today. Can I start? Just begin the experience. But if you let them sit there for a minute, two minutes, three minutes, they're sort of getting used to a totally different pace. Oh, we sit, we relax, I look around, I have a conversation. I don't, but if you greet them and say, here's the menu, let me get you set with water, I'll be right back to get a drink order. You walk away, you get the water pitcher, you bring them water, and you know you pass it off. It's a great. So what can I get everyone to drink from the bar? You've already cued them, and <laughs> it's something I learned a, mil a million years ago uh, from from one of the best servers I ever I ever met and I ever worked with. He said, every time I'm at the table, I leave by telling them the next thing I'm going to do. That's great. So great. I'm going to go ahead and put this in. I'll be right back, and I'd love to get that drink order. Yeah, so great. I'm going to go ahead and take the drink order. I'll be right back to tell you about the specials and then explain about the menu. Yeah. You explain the menu. You say, great, I'm going to go pick up those drinks. I'll be right back, and uh, we'll go ahead and get that order People taken. People must love the communication. I, 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 it's, I, I, and it's, it's great. It, it drives me crazy. Seems like These seems like blocking and tackling <laughs> kind of things, but yeah. it, it drives me crazy when I'm a customer and I'm in these situations and I'm not, not treated that way. So I don't, think you, I, don't, that, I don't feel rushed. I can tell you that. I, no. And, 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 but, but if but you're just you are, communicating, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're just communicating, this is, hey, listen, this is how the meal here goes. And what happens is that then the server's in control. They uh, exude a sense of confidence. People feel at ease. They feel like they're taken care of. Like, you're in good hands tonight. You don't have to worry about anything. I got you. This is how it's going to go. It's the best way to experience this meal. And guess what? Since we're able to control that flow, we can also control the table turn times and how many covers we do over the course of a given night. And the, the beauty part is 
to your point about data, that's data. I can run and figure out, say, hey, if I can get the order within 10 minutes, on average, I cut about 20 to 25 minutes from the table turn time. That is irrefutable data that I have collected in multiple restaurants. Now, did I have a fancy program to tell me? No, a lot of times with a stopwatch. Yeah, it can be, or it can be intuitive. Just, yeah, I mean, exactly. But the, yeah. the other thing that I think you touched on, which I think is absolutely true, is you, you, you can drive the pace, but as long as you're, you're empathetic and you're paying attention to the nonverbal cues that you're getting. The, 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 you're paying attention to the way people react to what you're doing. You, if, if you're doing the job right, you're going to slow down. You're going to give them a little more space. Yep. And, and, and you know, these are the kinds of things that I think improve the quality of the people, the training. The, it, it improves both number three and number four of what I'm, I'm talking about. Yep. Because, yep. because if I look at, I, I suspect your numbers, well, it's like it's a story you told on the champagne, right? You're performing at this level. Yeah, you may have missed that thing over there, but your logic was perfect for for why that makes a lot yep. of sense. And that, yep. so now I can compare your performance and your production and numbers with everybody else and help them come up to speed on this on the same basis. I, I think that I think that that is absolutely genius what you're talking about. Well, and what was funny is that the, the last, you know, the, the period in the end of the sentence is that our check average, so our per head, uh, per guest average here was very expensive. It's like $125 a head. And when they ran my number, it was 142 Right. That's right. not by accident. That's because I got the first drink down earlier. They finished it earlier. I could get a bottle of wine. I could then, they were early enough in their meal where, on average, half my tables or 60% of my tables got a second bottle of wine. That translated to the nearly $20 per cover over the course of a month. And that data was hard every single month. And Absolutely. after a while, I'd say, can, I, uh, can, you, can you pull my guest check average? Can, I'd like to see my uh, guest check average. Right. And like you said, you're benchmarking it against compare? the other. How does that compare with everyone else? I mean, uh, the, uh, the it, other 20. Right, right. No, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. And, and a similar thing on the on, on the fourth area that I, that I was talking about in terms of yeah. customers. you got to know who your customers are, first of all. And that means you've got to be aware. You've got to have soft eyes. You've got to you've be, be listening to, to what they're saying. Now, of course, in fine dining, of course, you, you often get a lot of the same customers over and over again. But... You can learn a lot just by paying attention to what, what's going on, and you can build trend lines over time about different types of customers. It doesn't have to be the actual individual. You can you can kind of start grouping customers into into customer 100%. profiles, right? You have 100%. certain kind of profiles, certain times of day that they come in, and they do certain behave certain ways. There's certain menu items that they're going to order. You can anticipate these things. You can uh, you can make them comfortable in the in the in the situation. So you know, depending upon the format, the time today and all those things uh, you can get if you can get tuned into what those customers expectations are then you can modify your operational plan to uh, to, to to focus on on leveraging that knowledge leveraging the the knowledge in the data to to perform better to deliver a better experience to the customers and and basically everybody ends up happy, happy right there's there's no unhappy people in the, in, in this right the customers it's, it, are happier it's, that's that's right. So it's funny. This is what I was just thinking of as you were saying this. Like, there are no, it, it is the definition of a win-win. There are no unhappy parties here. And I think we lose sight of this, that there is complete alignment in what we do in the restaurants, right? We, we, we think to ourselves, oh, nobody wants to be separated from their money. Except a diner comes in expecting to be separated from their money. They've already made that decision. Absolutely. I'm okay being separated from a certain amount of money. There is alignment there. I said it's the only industry where if you don't sell to people, 
they get angry, right? Like your point, <laughs> right? You sit down. It's taking a while to gr- get greeted. It's taking a while to sell. It's like sell me a drink already, right? right. We sit down. Right. Our entree hits the table. Uh, why won't somebody transact with me? I just want to order a glass of red to go with the steak that was just put in front of me. It's it, you know if people don't sell to us, we get pissed off. So. We want to sell to people on the merchant side so that we make more money for the house, so that the servers make more money in tips. Yep. And the guests want to be sold to so that they have the things that they need. They've already decided to come out. It's not a matter of whether, very rarely, it's not a matter of like, well, am I going to spend $100 tonight or 110 right. It's, I've already committed to spending around $100. If it's right. 120 okay. If it's to have a great time, I'm willing to follow. In, in a lead. fine dining environment, you're absolutely correct, and I think that uh, you know the other thing is making sure that you have the balance of employees. You've got to have the right scheduling. You've got to have the right staffing levels to be able to have yep. that kind of consistent sure. experience. Now, if you're in a different environment, right? If you're in a, a fast food environment, the 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 um, the ideas are different. The, the 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 drivers are different, but the data the data is the same, right? or, or or the utilization of the data is the same. If you can yep. collect the data and you sit down and you think it through, you think it from the perspective of that of that customer of that buyer. As you point out, I love what you're saying. I mean, the, the, you know, they've already made a decision to spend. Now the only question now is how much of it? How much are they going to spend? It's- and, and you know what? I would make the case that it's the same thing even in quick service and fast casual. This is the thing that Ray Kroc discovered all those many years ago, right? They're already coming in. They're counting on having a hamburger and a soft drink. Right. What else can I sell them that they weren't expecting to buy when they walked in? Right? right? Would you like right. fries with that? Yeah. It's the guacamole at Chipotle. It's the, you fill in the blank. Right. It's oh, There's always something right right and, it's, it's the bagels and, and panera take some bagels home for tomorrow morning you know whatever whatever it's, it the, might be. it's the same thing and you and this again this is where one two three four all connect that how are you you know gay, are you training your employees to upsell are they actually upselling because guess what upselling in most instances is actually what the guest wants the guest is saying i i, I you should you tell me the best way to experience this place right if you're telling me a scoop of guac on top of my uh, burrito bowl is going to make it better then okay mm-hmm. yeah yes i know guac is all as extra <laughs> you know i mean there's there's a couple of other sayings that are you know popular but i mean i do believe they're, they're popular because they're true so you know you only you can only improve what you measure if you're not measuring it, you're not going to be able to improve it because you don't know where you are relative to, to what success is. And so, yep. you know, I, I just think in general, you know, of course, it's my business, but data, you know, from a data analytics standpoint, you're going to understand performance and that's performance across any, any number of metrics, right? You're going to have a better understanding of what your team is capable of. You're going to have a better understanding of what your kitchen, we haven't even touched on the kitchen and getting, you know, getting, getting that running uh, smoothly and operating correctly. But a better yep. understanding of customer expectations, you're going, to, you're going to, ultimately, you're going to be delivering a more consistent, more satisfactory product uh, to those customers and your, your business is going to benefit from it. And not, not to beat a dead horse on the everybody's happy, but everybody's going to be happy the the yep. servers are happy the 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 maitre d is happy the bartenders are happy the customers most importantly are happy uh and and you know it's a win 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 across the board for everybody so yeah and, I, and ultimately this is how you make decisions one of the things that's come out of the pandemic is that we've got um smaller menus right absolutely uh, more tightly focused menus 
ultimately it helps you make really good decisions about what goes on the menu, what gets executed. I mean, I've worked with a lot of restaurants over the last two years where you look at what's being offered and say, what station does that come off of? Oh, fry. What, what station does that come off? Fry. What's that one? Saute. What's that one? Fry. Fry. Saute. Fry. Or fry, grill. Fry, fry, grill. Fry. Everything's coming off of two stations and you got two other guys picking their nose right. and you got one guy or two guys getting crushed. Well, that's just not making efficient use. I bet you if we uh, redesign this menu, we could actually run with three people back here instead of four uh, or three instead of five in, in a lot of cases. So it helps you, which goes back to, again, the cost management, understanding your, your labor percentage and uh, how it relates to um, to revenue and all of that. I love all this. Yeah, no, this is great. great. You're speaking. Great you're sp- you're speaking my language. <laughs> well, I'm, okay. learning, I'm learning a lot from you too. So that's great. This is not. There's nobody unhappy in this. Well, I'm, I'm not, hopefully your audience is happy as well. But I'm learning stuff I, I, talking to you, Chip. So it's good. I think no. Listen, I appreciate it. Um, I, I think I think they're getting stuff out of it. Um, I want to be really respectful of your time. There are always five questions I ask every guest on the show. Uh, if it's okay with you, I'd love to ask you those five, and sure. then I'll sort of pull it all together. I got a couple of last little questions, and I'm going to let you uh, make sure you send people to where they need to where they need to go if they want to learn more about you and, and what you guys do. Um, but five questions again. I pretty much ask everybody this okay. first one. Tell me, what's the last uh, the last great meal you've had? Uh, the last great meal I had was at a place here in Massachusetts. On Mar- I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in Martha's Vineyard right now, uh, and there's a place called the Outermost Inn. The, and it, it is at the extreme western end of the island. It's an unpopulated area. There's, it's a destination uh, restaurant. And they just have done, there used to be an inn, but now it, they, the, the, the staff now lives in the inn. And they are 100% focused on uh, delivering uh, delivering a dining experience that nobody else has. I mean, they've got an incredible setting, but the the food just blows me away. Absolutely blows me away. It's a prefix situation, so you're not you know you know you're not doing you're, you're not doing any mental math about what you're doing. You're yeah. you're get, getting the whole experience. Uh, it's uh, it's just a fantastic. It's actually James Taylor's brother. That owns the place and runs it. That's it's just, funny. It's an absolutely fantastic. It's funny. I was there one night when one of my party decided Jimmy Buffett happened to be sitting there eating, and <laughs> uh, and one and the guy well, the guy in my party who had a little bit too much to drink decided it was an appropriate time for him to show his parrot tattoo, which was on his uh, right cheek. Not a good play. It was not. A, it was not a great thing to have happen. But uh, so. But that's my most recent. I, and it was just three weeks ago. Yeah, we had that. It was fantastic. Out, out most I did. love it. I appreciate yeah, that. Really great. Good. Okay. What's the last great hospitality touch you can remember having? Last great hospitality touch. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, that I like, I like sorbet. I'm a, I'm a sorbet fan. And, uh, and, uh, you know, the, uh, this restaurant, uh, normally had sorbet, but this particular night they, they didn't have it. So they actually went to one of their competitors to get me what I wanted for my meal. And then they gave it to me for free. It was fit. It was a, you know, I had an initial disappointment that it wasn't there. And then, you know, it's like, you know, give, give me a minute. I'll see what I can, I can see what I can do. And, and it was just, you know, I just, they went above and beyond. It was just, just a fantastic thing. I love that. At the end of the day, it actually took so little. This is the no, thing I feel like I say every. It took so little to to make your night, and now all this what months, weeks, 
later you're you're talking about it like and, and we're talking about it yep, and yep. you remember it and, and I remember and it and I and I, I it's just I, I you know I reference this I tell people to go there because yeah. of the because because of I the service it. they were providing yeah I love it. Okay, uh, third question. If a genie came down and granted you just one wish uh, as it related to our industry, what would it be? What would you uh, spend your one wish on? Oh, boy. Related to this industry. Yeah, restaurants. Make it better. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that uh, to me it's all about the people, right? I, I have this view that um, if you take care of your people, the people will take care of the customers. If the customers are happy, then the owners are going to be happy. And if the owners are going to be happy, the people are going to be happy. So yep. I, I would wish for everybody to understand that virtuous cycle and everybody to understand how we're all interconnected. And, and I think it starts with the, the ownership and management having a full appreciation for the team that they've got executing on their plans, because without the team, you're nothing. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's um, uh, you've basically defined Danny Meyer's uh, uh, definition for uh, enlightened hospitality. Right. We right. take care of the staff. Staff takes care of the guests. The I, guests then become part of our community. We then take care of the purveyors. Purveyors take care of our investors because we can't help uh, but be successful if we do all those things right. And it goes back. Uh, to the I mean, beginning I'm in the again. software business, and I I believe that in my business too. I mean, I yeah. customer success is our most important mission in my yep. business, which is unusual, by the way, in a lot of software companies, because a lot nope. of people look at customer success as an expense. I look at it as yep. a key competitive differentiator, and that's why we're number one in the space that we're in. Uh, the uh, My favorite quote of all time, my absolute favorite quote, whether you're in business or not, it's Zig Ziglar. It says, you can get anything in life you want as long as you help enough other people get everything they want. It's yeah, like great nothing good old, good truer has ever Nothing truer has ever has ever said. No matter how you, no matter how you feel about Zig Ziglar, yeah. um, I think that's a, it's a very um, empathetic, sympathetic, uh, uh, passionate place to. to and he would also go on from. to say that, and to understand what they want, you have to listen. You have to listen to yes. what they want. Listen to what yeah. they're going to hear. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Okay. Uh, fourth one. Uh, what would you tell someone who's about to open their very first restaurant? Don't. <laughs> I probably don't. No, I. I I think no. Do you want to know the number one answer to that question? What's the number That's one? it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I, maybe I can't improve on that. But you know, I, I would I would say I, w I would say know your customer. I mean, I I, yeah. I I I always come back to you know know yourself. But I think it's only through knowing your customer that you can know yourself, right? So you have to have I a agree. very 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 clear idea of who you are serving and you have to think about everything in that in that context and so 100% you know that that's what i would tell you i think those are the probably the first two pieces of advice i'd give number 1 don't number 2 if you insist on it <laughs> yeah. make sure you know who your customer is and right. actually what they need what do they uh, what do they need that you are uniquely qualified to provide and if you can't answer those two questions there's no reason to provide it. They, they're obviously already uh, being served uh, in a compelling way. Yeah, I mean, so. it's a tough business, as you know. I mean, it is a tough yeah. business. It's a tough business to get off the ground, and it's, it's even harder to sustain the, the level of quality and delivery that you, that you, uh, that you need right. to, to sustain the business. And it's very, very hard. Very, very hard to That's do right. over the long term. Yeah. Ultimately, I think if we get better at asking those couple of questions, we'll uh, we, we can't help but succeed. But too many people go into it without asking those questions. Uh, I totally agree. I think it's a great answer. Okay. Last uh, of my five questions here. Um, I want you to tell me about the future. I want you to look five years down the line and tell me what is coming 
that other people may not see coming? Boy, these questions get harder as we go along, huh? <laughs> and now I know why, why you didn't want to tell me them in advance. Uh, get, get, see? Catching me on my, uh, on my feet here. It's uh, more fun this way. Yeah. What's coming that maybe other people don't see coming? Well, look, I think that, I think, well, probably at this moment in time, they're starting to see it coming. I think, um, I think go back six months and uh, they would have had less, uh, less uh, view of it. But I, I, and it's hard for me to predict what the impact is going to be. And that is the impact of these large language models and the uh, artificial intelligence as it's applied, applied in these kinds of situations. Even in my business, I'm trying to figure that out now. I mean, we do some uh, AI work in, in our projections and our, in our uh, predictive modeling and those kinds of things. But I, I think it's going to fundamentally change a, a large, large part of our business uh, and in ways that I can't actually tell you what they are because, yep. because we haven't figured it out. You know, the, the world hasn't figured it out yet. And so um, I, think, I think it's going to have a profound impact on customer happiness, customer success, employee happiness. All the things we're talking about around data, it's going to have a profound effect on our ability to predict things. Um, and I don't, I'm not one that is a doom and gloom guy about AI. I don't think it's going to end civilization. I think, uh, I think it's going to be a great, uh, assist for us. It's going to help us do things better, to be more profitable, to have happier customers. Uh, I just can't draw to a specific Thing that it's going to that it's going to do that it's going to do better, but that's that's what I would say. Five years from now, right. it's going to be part of our daily life. It's going to be. I think I, yeah. I I would tend to agree with you. I, I think it's going to be a very big part, and I don't think we can even predict it. I, I think that's about as good as answers you can give. I mean, and one of the analogies I'll give you is you know like now when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is grab my cell phone and look at you know what did I miss? What what's what news do I have? You know. Five years ago, I wasn't doing that. Five years ago, I woke up in the morning, and I woke up in the morning, and that was it. So now it's become an integral part of our life. I think it's going to be that kind of a game changer. It is, it is literally kind of the Rosetta Stone of our lifetime, and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. I, I I completely I completely agree. Um, listen, Russ, I have loved this conversation. I think this is great. I Thank have you to. are speaking my language, and uh, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day uh, to sit and chat with uh, the audience about this. Uh, before I let you go, tell people uh, where they can learn more about you, where they can connect with you, uh, and learn more about the company. So I'm Russ Hawkins, and I'm uh, R R Hawkins at agilenceinc.com. We couldn't get the agilence.com, so we got. Agilence, A-G-I-L-E-N-C-E-I-N-C.com. And that's where our website is. You can learn more about us there. And, you know, drop me a line on my email, and I'll be, be thrilled to talk to any of your any of your uh, audience or clients here. So Perfect. Thank, As, thank you so much, uh, uh, Chip. Uh, yeah, my pleasure. As always, we will include the link uh, in the show notes, uh, all of those links, and um, and I hope you uh, reach out if you're curious about this, uh, that you reach out, get in touch. Uh, Russ, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Chip, and have a fabulous day, all right? Thanks, you too. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye now. So once again, I want to thank Russ for taking time out of his day to sit and chat with me all about data. How can we leverage our data uh, to be better at what we do? Again, all the links are in the show notes. I appreciate you guys being here. If you want to learn more about the P3 Mastermind, you know the link is in the show notes. Go to restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. Set up an absolutely free call. I look forward to connecting with many of you. I appreciate you being here, and I will see you next time.